Hey everyone and welcome to episode 182 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm joined again by Lauren. Hi guys. You're back. I am with the limpet attached to me. <laughs> a little a little uh, babaloo is attached to me at the moment. You may so. hear some uh, breathing sounds from yeah. our asleep baby. <laughs> um, we will try to keep her silenced. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> she just wants to speak her opinion on Final Fantasy. She's already well ingrained in the franchise. Yeah, has favorite characters, favorite games. Yeah, she's our second Moogle. You know. Yeah. Did we decide on a job class for her? Not yet. We have to see what she's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Ali is definitely the pictomancer. 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 Yeah, definitely. So, Lauren, now that you're back, um, are you excited? Because you can voice your opinions again. Yay. It's not just me on the microphone I've by myself. A, I've had so much bottled up. You've had like a month. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, I'm um, I'm still recovering uh, mentally, probably. But um, physically, I think I'm pretty much okay. Bit sleep deprived, but you know. We're going to try our best this episode. Yeah. We're going to try our best. Yeah. And we have a fun topic for everyone, which is what's next for Decidia NT? So this may degenerate quite quickly <laughs> because yeah. um, I think we both have fist shakes mm. in the general direction of this game. Yeah. And also the sleep deprivation yeah. will make us a bit those more two combination, Those better. two things combined will be... <laughs> combination for success. Yes. Okay, anyway, for you new folks, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. And we have a new show every Tuesday, working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, and we have all our news coverage on FinalFantasyUnion.com. We're now going to do our Patreon shoutouts, and this is for everyone who's pledged $2.50 per episode or more. And we're going to start off with Blue Machine at Blue Machine. Lewis James. Nahi Klabawi. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto 58. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urba Yun Ray. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trader J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Mike. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers. Vitanitas. Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Keppy. Tori Patrick. Miles Ribbons. And David Calro. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. All right. So um, we're going to go. We've only got one topic this episode, which is uh, what's next for the City NT. So we're going to try and cover this in some significant detail. Um, uh, it's an interesting topic, actually, because I think. Obviously, Decidio Arcade came out in 2015, um, and everyone was really excited about this home console version of Decidia. We'd only ever had PSP versions before, and we really wanted to see what it was going to look like on these like really awesome uh, systems with full graphics, full controller set, everything mm. like that. There's a lot of like possibilities with Decidia NT. Um, I mean, you know, we were thinking, oh, maybe they're going to include more characters this time around because they were really hyping up the fact that they were going to have like over 50 characters um in the game and uh yeah like it was really 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 exciting and obviously there was the whole prospect of more story Mm -hmm. um even though the decidia story is you know i'd say it's uh it's creative (laughs) it's creative um it's probably not the best of narratives in the franchise 
but you know it's still something and it, it was something that brought the it's characters something. together they they had their unique personalities and everything um and to, again to see i indeed didn't really have that but I guess what spurred this conversation topic is obviously Decidia came out in January. It's been quite some time now, almost a year approaching. Which is um, crazy. And Square Enix have weirdly decided to start marketing the game. <laughs> uh, and this was brought to our attention on the Discord server by by uh, Barry, uh, Neutron Zero, um, because they've just published a trailer called Decidia NT is, is Different. Um, and they've taken the whole word different and they've taken out the I and the E yeah just d d i yeah different yeah different basically they're trying to make like a a new hashtag a new buzz a new buzzword new buzz hashtag for uh the city nt that's just weird because yeah like the whole campaign is based around taking the criticisms that they've received from reviews that were i guess published in january yeah uh, and making them seem positive all this time later. With, like, pretty writing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Dissidia is obscure. Dissidia is fun and weird. A beautiful mess. Like. So, yeah, they took quotes from IGN, PlayStation Lifestyle, Bleacher Report, VG247, and the New York Daily News. And they basically took small snippets from these reviews. So, with IGN, they just took a strange game. And that was it. But the weird thing is that, like, if you take these things in isolation, it makes it seem kind of worse than it actually is. So, for example, with PlayStation Lifestyle, they said they just chose deep and obscure. <laughs> but actually, when you look at the whole quote, it said that Dissidia has deep and obscure mechanics that most players won't fully understand until they've played the game for a few hours. Mm. So that actually makes it seem a bit better. Yeah. Um, the Bleacher Report said sheer chaos. Which, again, you could take numerous... Do you want a game that has sheer chaos? Probably yeah. not. But they actually said, because of the because of the sheer chaos capable of unfolding on the screen, the graphics are, look amazing. And, like, so much is going on that there's never any kind of slowdown or anything. So, again, it was it was a positive. They were saying that the, there's so much chaos on the screen at any time, but the graphics can hold up to it. VG247, again, the quote they took was exciting and weird. But the overall quote was... Dissidia is an exciting and weird little gem of a fighting game. Yeah, so, like, I... Yeah, they... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know I mean, why. the last one from the New York Daily News, I understand yeah. why they kind of condensed. Because they chose the quote, a beautiful mess. Yeah. Which, again, very strange. But the overall quote was, too many flaws exist in this game for it to be a hit. The best description <laughs> of Dissidia is that it's a beautiful mess yeah yeah like that one is not is not that's probably the only one of these ones that's like really kind of more on the negative side but um yeah i just i don't know what went through their heads when they made the decision for this campaign um especially the fact that they're making it so late in the game like the city has kind of faded yeah like quite considerably especially when considering um the choices that they've made of like new characters we'll go on to those later but like it's just it's like if final fantasy 15 just released a trailer for the game and then included all of like like some of the more obscure like negative uh quotes about it and it's just like well 
Is this really like, like if it was the a story joke, is all over the place? If it was a piss take and like the game became like a cult hit, like sure, like that that makes sense. But because it's like a serious fighting game, it's a bit like, well, is this really the kind of narrative or the kind of um, way that you want to present your game that already hasn't really done that well? Yeah, I mean, like if you check the comments for the video. There's a lot of people that are trying to put a brave face on things uh, and they're commending Square for responding to what is ultimately fair criticism in this way. Like they're trying to be, they, they like the fact that Square Enix is trying to put a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the ones that are doing that are the ones that are still playing Dissidia. They're, they're the active community. Yeah. If you then go a bit further down, you have all the people saying, what the hell is this? Why would you try and, and make market the game in this way? Yeah, because that's the thing, like, you want, I would think that they would want it to bring in new people, not, not. I mean, I guess they think at this point. What, whatever. What, what's the harm, right? Yeah. You know, if what they else? haven't bought it already, let's try a new tactic. Because basically, um, so a month after Decidia came out, uh, Matsuda, CEO of Square Enix, came to the press and said, Decidia and T has just done really badly. Um, it only sold 110,000 units in Japan during its first week, which, uh, from what I understand, is maybe not even a third of what they were expecting. I think they were expecting way, way more. Um, but he said he was trying to, you know, be positive, and they said they were going to use lots of post-launch initiatives to try try and drive up sales. But you know, we're we're in October now, and in Japan, they've only managed to sell another 70,000 units. So that's that's really bad. Like first yeah. week, they sold 110,000. In the next nine months, they only sold 70k. Yeah. And the Western sales probably haven't been that great either. I mean, there's been absolutely no declaration of any kind about hitting any milestones of sales and stuff, which they would normally do if they sold, you know, a million copies worldwide. Mm-hmm. Would be something they'd say. Like Zodiac Age got a million copy milestone press release thing. Um, and you know, considering this was an anniversary game. Yeah. It was the only anniversary game we got. It has to be seen as just a massive failure. I know. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at in terms of literal numbers, Dissidia NT sold only 18% of what the original Dissidia sold uh, on a console that is much smaller. Yeah. And so the PSP had a less install base, I think I believe at the time. And then it only sold 37% of what Duodecim sold, which is just Still, bad. Yeah, that's baffling. But I think, again, it's 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 the marketing like i don't Mm. ever remember them saying ever or promoting the fact that this was an anniversary game no no i don't think they ever did they just said it's it's a port of the arcade version yeah essentially they could have they could have really hopped on the anniversary train but um i mean in a way like getting back to that trailer like i'm almost wondering if it was just somebody who was bitter and it was just like oh they want us to promote this game again well why don't we just find like really weird comments about it <laughs> and just do that instead to make them stop making us promote this game let it die a death now <laughs> sounds like but, you're uh paying homage to the old mega 64 video there yeah maybe but either way um yeah it's it's really a shame that it hasn't it hasn't done that well um and now it's sort of thinking about why and like that brings us sort of on to the dlc characters i mean I've always, like, there are so many things that they could have done with the DLC characters. Like, I mean, it was a shame that they couldn't take advantage of, like, the re-releases of games that they've done. Um, 
that they couldn't have released like maybe Seymour or something like that or Yuna even like with the re-release of Final Fantasy 10 10 2 HD remaster they could have released a new character for Final Fantasy 12 when uh, Zodiac Age released you know there's a lot of different things that they probably could have done um to make people excited um, I think the only one of the DLC characters that really got a massive push was Renoa. Um, that was the one that just, everybody... Just to clarify here, you were talking about Arcade, not NT. I'm talking a bit about both. I because mean, Because there haven't been any Final Fantasy games released after NT came out. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think I'm I'm sort of talking about, yeah, mainly the Arcade version because that's how that's they they got the characters first. But then afterwards, I think the uh, didn't the releases sort of merge together because Renoa came around the same time as the arcade. Yeah, version. but as I'm saying, there's been no games come out. That, yeah. no games have come out uh-huh. since to, for them to tie into it. Yeah, but either way, yeah. So the arcade version, since it was the first one, and since there was the most releases, then they probably could have done more to to oh, wrap yeah, I mean, it around. We were crying out for Gabranth to be released when the Zodiac Age came out last yeah. year. That was a no-brainer. Like tie in with it they do it all the time with brave exvius and mobius and flipping record keeper and stuff mostly brave exvius though it almost seems like they focused on what they wanted versus what actual fans wanted like i'm sure if they like even like when the game was first released or was first talked about if they did a survey to see like which characters people want the most to be in it they could have had a lot more i mean Yuna's was one of the most I think she was the most popular character in Japan and I think she's still really popular in the west like why couldn't they have just decided to why don't they know that anyway that route you know yeah there's enough information out there in terms of the popularity of each of these characters I mean like fair enough like I do say in the past like you know you have I, I feel like developers need to trust their own intuition as much as they trust the consumers but this just seemed like a really um, too far the other I, way. I think the main issue they had with the arcade version was that the the roster was they just tried to re-release the same roster they did in the first game. Yeah, and you know the, with the DLC characters, that's where the problems come in because you know Matsuda was talking about doing post-launch initiatives to try and drive up sales, but the DLC characters they've announced so far have been okay mm-hmm. but there's been bigger characters they could have released yeah and also you know if we're talking about other things they've only held as far as i can understand one tournament yeah i think at the atlantic city convention and other than that they've been holding like monthly local tournaments near their offices mm-hmm. but they've been mostly relying on the fan base to host online tournaments yeah so what what are these post-launch initiatives that they're talking about because like know. you know if, if we're looking at the, the nt specifically and why that went wrong it didn't seem like there was any real plan. The roster was was basically the same roster as the first game, with with only a couple of additions, mm-hmm. with um, Ranza, uh, Ace, and Noctis. There was almost no marketing, and if anything, they the story mode was such a faux pas for them because as soon as they said there was no story mode, you could instantly see the fan base just said nah. Yeah, just turned off. Because it, it couldn't have, it didn't even have to be that big. I mean, you think of most fighting games. Most fighting games don't have that extreme of a story. Like they could have just 
borrowed something from the first games or just re-released the first game like just just, just do the same that in. S- a similar story with newer characters but like yeah it it just seemed well and how exactly you, how the story even progresses you gotta unlock memoria so yeah. you can then watch a cutscene, which is like i don't know 30 seconds long mm-hmm. it's just yeah but no i definitely think it definitely seems like they they didn't have a plan with this uh, well, game. They, they focused on esports. That was their main thing, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work because they didn't know how. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. They didn't have a plan. No. And then if you're looking at you know what's next, obviously they've done the the season pass one. That's not cheap. It's twenty five pounds or I guess twenty five dollars. Haven't looked at it, what the price mm-hmm. is in America, but for six characters, that's expensive. Yeah. You know that's almost the price. Of, actually. I think you can get the game now for about 15 to 20 pounds. So the season pass is now more expensive than the game. And it's never going to decrease in which price. Is, which is ridiculous. But if we're looking at, you know, the characters they've released so far, you know, um, I'm basing this on views on the Japanese channel in terms of how much interest there is around these characters. Locke had about 300,000 views on his trailer, which is decent. Mm-hmm. Vayne, 180,000, which is on par with other characters that people don't really care about. I'm talking about like uh, Shantoto, Golbez, Onion Knight, Cloud of Darkness, Vaughn. Like they're kind of characters that don't really have a fan base as yeah, such. Yeah, they're not as popular as like the Squalls or the yeah, Clouds exactly. and that type you know, of thing. They're, they're just like kind of the, the yeah, yeah. Bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> Ultimately. I mean, like they're obviously the, each of those characters have like we, Shantoto is great for us. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a mass market wide appeal character. Mm-mm. And Vane was and pretty honestly, much that. And- honestly, I don't know why they don't just hop on the fact that Final Fantasy 3 actually does have a main character now. Like, they have Luneth. Like, I just don't understand why they don't use Luneth more and they just kind of have the traditional Onion Knight. I mean, I know. That a lot of people say that Luneth is actually the um is actually the Onion Knight. Like if you look at the uh, skins or whatever, and I think in some of the like Duodecim skins, I think you can get um Luneth as I think Ingus one of the was one thing. as well though. Um, but like, but like that's something that they could easily have hopped on instead because Onion Knight is kind of generic and kind of just meh. But it's like you know. They released, they, they, going back to what you said about they just kind of did what they wanted, I think that's fine for the main cast of the characters, but they could have easily just done tie-ins if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And Gabranth was a main cast character. Yeah. He's been in the game before, so they yeah. could have done that, no problem whatsoever. But the ones they've done as DLC, if they didn't do Gabranth in the main series, why did they choose to put Vayne as, the, as a new character when Gabranth is way more popular? Mm-hmm. But not even that, why do Vayne instead of like Balthier? Yeah. Balthier would have been way more popular. You don't even have to guess at that. They should have learned from the first release that like Vaughn was just not not the character that should have been the representative. They should have said like maybe we should just do Balthier and switch things up this time. Like even if they just made that small change and made Balthier instead of Vaughn, they probably would have gotten a lot more people interested because it's something different. It's just a small thing that's different. And there's nothing to say that they needed to have the same mandate that they did with the first game where you have to have the main protagonist and you have to have the main villain. Like, I don't think anyone was necessarily caring or expecting that. But I if mean, you're looking... some people might have done. But yeah, like, I mean, you could have easily nixed some of the more unpopular villains. Yeah. 
And but like you know, if we're if we're looking at the popularity, yeah, like Locke has had uh, three hundred thousand. Vane is on par with like the lesser characters. Renoa seven hundred and sixty thousand views. Yeah, she was really killing like, it. Super popular. Mm. And but then you're looking at uh, Kamlanor, the Final Fantasy Eleven character, one hundred and twenty. By far the lowest of any character they've ever announced. Yeah, people just don't care. And it's like okay, so you want to have some representation for Final Fantasy Eleven. That's nice. But you're in a position now where you're trying to get people interested in this game. You're trying to get more copies sold. And releasing characters like that is not going to do anything. No. You know what? Like, even if they just went with mascots, like, imagine how amazing it would have been if they had Kenny the Crow DLC. People would have loved it. Like, if you could play as Kenny Crow, if you're going to go this sort of, like, weird, weird, like, direction with the teaser trailers and stuff, then start making your characters a bit weird. Like, include Kenny Crow, include a Moogle, include, like, a maybe a Chocobo or a Tonberry-type fighter. Like, I think those kind of things people would, people would be interested in and have fun playing. Like, make shareable, make shareable characters. I guess the weird thing about this is that obviously they did the data mine, uh, so we roughly know who's coming up next. And within this season pass, it's very likely to be Snow and Yuna. But then if we're looking at the other characters that they included, Zack, Vivi, Tifa, Laguna, Gabranth, Gilgamesh, I'd argue that they are all more popular than Vayne and Kalamna. Why did they not do these originally? Yeah, like it just doesn't... I don't understand their their rationale for doing this and like, the way they've yeah. done it. Because these characters probably aren't even going to see the light of day until at least Q2 next year. So the first of these characters may arrive in, I don't know, six months' time or four to six months' time. At that point, really is... I mean, Dissidia NT is, is kind of dead already. Mm. There's not many people playing online. And bless you guys, the ones that are still playing it and are having loads of fun with it because... Mm. You know, I... although at the same time, like I understand what you're saying, but then there is something to be said about the fact that Renoa got so many views. But like, did it? I I'm guess it didn't do anything for sales. That's what I'm tempted to figure out if it did boost anything. If anything, it might have. It might have made people want to go back to Dissidia. I mean, I I haven't looked at it for this, but I could look at the Japanese sales to see when it released and maybe. If I can find it, have a look to see if there was any kind of improvement in sales. Because, I mean, that's nothing to snuff about the 760. That's quite significant. But the other thing is that how many of those views are from people that are playing the arcade version? Mm. And, uh, you know, this is obviously on the Japanese YouTube trailer, uh, the YouTube account. And I think, you know, that that's the other thing that there was a discussion, obviously, around this on our Discord server. And... and it seems as though when they were launching Dissidia NT, uh, we always knew it was kind of going to be a sidekick to the arcade game. Arcade was always going to be take the preference. But because NT's done so badly, it's basically just the ugly stepchild now. We're not yeah. even getting characters, I think it's like generally a month before uh, you get them in the main game versus the arcade, whereas they said it was going to be almost simultaneous. Um, and so arcade has is, is just basically been the maximum priority now. Mm. NT is just some bolt-on that they're just using to make some extra cash on. And it's kind of sad because it's just they've just half-assed it mm-hmm. in so many ways. And, and I I've kind of feel like they shouldn't be rewarded for that. Yeah. Because it's like they just don't even care about it. They, they no. just tacked on some crappy story and just said, okay, here is the arcade's sloppy seconds. Um there you go yeah. enjoy they've really like 
yeah, they've really just dropped the ball on it, which is a shame because, like, I think it's the potential that it could have been. Like, it could have been a really good representation of Dissidia now, of what Dissidia should be now. Yeah. I mean, uh, Barry actually uh, suggested that maybe they could adopt a free-to-play model. You know, Sony MOBAs have done that, League of Legends. Um, I can't even remember the names of them anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Just MOBAs in general. Yeah, MOBAs in general. <laughs> <laughs> we have baby brain, sorry. Um, but yeah, like where obviously um, you keep all the cosmetic stuff is paid, so skins, uh, different uh, different weapons and stuff, visual stuff is, is paid content. And you have characters as uh, paid if you want to unlock them instantly, or you can have it so that you can unlock them over time just by playing the game more. Well, I guess, like, was Fortnite? Is Fortnite? Yeah, Fortnite's yeah, free to play. So, so that could be that could be an example, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that could be an option for them because the game's so cheap to purchase now anyway. At least that way you have an active fan base who are would still maybe purchase things. And if it's just literally a tack-on for the arcade version, it's not really going to cost them anything anymore. No. And if the arcade version is going to be going on for God knows how long because they want to hit that 50 characters and it's still making money, they might as well carry on with it. It's still a shame, though. Like I wonder if um, there was an arcade that was near us when we were in America that actually I think they were going to get to City it? it was either that or they were going to get the Theatrhythm game. I think I it might have been the Theatrhythm no, game. No, I, th- I feel like it was Dissidia because I wouldn't have been as excited about the Come on, game. you love Theatrhythm. I love Theatrhythm, but I, that that arcade game just didn't look fun to me. That looked like a big, crazy hogwash of, of characters. <laughs> but like, I think that one of them did. One of them was supposed to. When we go back, we'll have to check. But I mean, I guess like, what what do you see as the future for Dissidia NT? Do you think that the season pass, uh, if we get Snow and Yuna, and then next year, if we get like Zach and Vivi, do you think that's actually going to do anything? Or do you think it's kind of like, Dissidia NT was DOA, essentially. Yeah, I, yeah, like, I don't really see this going anywhere. Um, I think the only way that they could pull like someone like me back in is if they completely revamped the gameplay completely revamped it made it easier for esports to happen um and that type of thing but they can't do that like they've put so much resources into this already that they just kind of have a a sinking ship essentially um yeah and i think this i guess the sad thing for me is that if you i talked about it last episode but if you look at how final fantasy 15 has dealt with with games as a service and post-launch content and everything, keeping the conversation going. The City NT is the antithesis of that. Yeah. They have just failed so much at keeping people interested in this game. Having a new character come out in such a, a, a spread out time frame with nothing else happening. Like mm. at least they could have been doing patches, improvements and stuff, but they've just not done anything really. No. And I guess that's the sad thing. It's just that they've they've approached this how old that things would have been approached maybe, I don't know, two, three, four years ago. But we're not there anymore. Mm-mm. And even within their own company, they've done a better job elsewhere. It goes to show you like just how much Tabata did for Final Fantasy fifteen. Like you can't snuff at the fact that him and Ofuji san they they really they really, really turned it out and like 
that that's that's what you need to do that's well, what I you mean, need to do now i guess again also the other frustrating thing with nt is they actually do a lot of live streams but mm. they're japanese only but even even 14 as well i mean the fact that like the live streams for 14 have done so well the letter from the producers live like yoshida has done a really good job with final fantasy 14 as well so yeah i mean that that's the thing that that's where the bar is set now yep and I don't know if other divisions within the company are, are particularly keen on on doing that. I mean, it's not for everyone. It's um, not. We've clearly seen with the Final Fantasy VII remake that Katarze has said that he's not particularly keen on adopting that method of communication. <laughs> I don't think Nomura's particularly, um, particularly interested in it, I think. But there again, he with Kingdom Hearts 3, he doesn't really need to change i don't think he's gonna really need to change with the seven remake either yeah possibly not well unless it goes really south again <laughs> again yeah but yeah so i guess um that's it really i mean like the city nt it's gonna just keep plodding along mm-hmm. um i think if they can i don't i just yeah it's it's a weird one it's I don't, really, I don't yeah think... it's obscure <laughs> it's a beautiful mess yeah <laughs> they were actually right in that. I, I, I guess the all idea is i just look back and i think of the potential as you yeah. said and it's kind of sad to to see what it ended up as mm-hmm. and that we're having these conversations now because they've done some trailer highlighting the negatives <laughs> in a positive way <laughs> this far after launch yeah but we'll see what happens. Yeah. There's two more DLC characters to come. Um, what, I think one's in November and one's in February mm-hmm. or January next year. So we'll see if that does anything. They may also try to build up support for an esports in the future. I know. Uh, everything I see around that is basically just Dissidia NT being the butt of everyone's joke. Yeah. Which is which is a shame because it's not what you ever want to see. And no. they obviously had all these big talks um, beforehand about wanting to get hardcore into esports. And I really hope that if that is something that they're really passionate about, that this hasn't dissuaded them from taking that action in, in the future. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I guess that's our, our discussion. Short and sweet. Well, yeah. not that short. I, I hope, think we did But it well. was hopefully sweet. Not too many interruptions. Not too many interruptions, no. Okay, so uh, our music this episode is from Final Fantasy IX. Got old school mm. now. It's um, from an OC remix album for Final Fantasy IX. And the original song is Festival of the Hunt. And the arranger is Six Toe Sound. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to release on the 30th of October. Be sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes store. If you just search for Final Fantasy, we are there or thereabouts. And of course, you can catch every episode on FinalFantasyUnion.com as well as all our news coverage. I think we're actually also on Spotify now. So if you are a Spotify user, you can probably listen to us on there as well. Yay, Spotify! Yeah, and of course, if you really enjoy what we do, why not check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. Blah 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 blah. <laughs>